0: Welcome back to the Human Delicatessen and the second part of the Satanic Panic of the 1980s. We had discussed the devil himself at length, and how there was a steady increase of the population that had become more and more convinced that the devil was real, and that an untold number of Americans were in secret hosting black masses and ritual ceremonies that involved the kidnapping, abuse, and sacrifice of children. At the end of part one, we were just finished discussing the events of the McMartin Preschool Trial of 1983 where the entire preschool staff was accused by parents and unqualified social workers of mass sexual abuse on children on the school property. Investigations showed that, after the fact, that the children who had come forward with the accusations were actually being coerced by social workers to admit to things that had not in reality occurred whatsoever. The parents filed a false complaint against the school. The DA delegated the investigation to the social worker. The social worker coerced the children into agreeing that to something that they had no idea what it was or what the implications were, and the, DNA, the DA accepted the social worker's findings sight unseen without further investigation. Almost the entire staff was fired, and the preschool was shuttered permanently. Even after the truth came out and the charges were overturned or dropped, many of their lives would be permanently altered and would be faced years of being ostracized by the court of public opinion. So, we're going to pick up where we left off and continue to hear about how so many others were wrongly convicted as part of a modern day witch hunt that was more of a trend for bored parents with overactive imaginations and paranoia than it was an actual pattern or sign of nefarious satanic cults operating across the country. Still continuing after the closing of the McMartin preschool. Frank Fuster was accused of molesting eight children in 1984 along with his wife. There hasn't been any proof provided, and the transcripts from the interviews with the children show the evidence of them being coerced as well. Frank was sentenced to 165 years in prison and won't see a chance for parole until the year 2134. Out in Utah, Patrick Figured has been serving time since 1992 and is now 71 years old, still behind bars due to more false accusations, even though evidence strongly suggests more coerced claims from the mouths of children. Joseph Allen, out in Ohio, was accused of ritualistic child abuse along with another woman, even though the two were complete strangers to each other, and and she would later be exonerated, but Joseph is still behind bars now, also, now 65 years old. Another principal from a school whose name I couldn't find out, but I want to verify, spent 21 years in prison before he was overturned. Three members of the same family were also falsely convicted of child abuse and spent 20-40 to 40 years in prison, although one of them would die of cancer before she could overturn her conviction and be uselessly exonerated a year after the fact. The other two were paroled in 1999 and 2004. In 1997, four lesbian women in San Antonio were wrongly convicted for child molestation against the backdrop of satanic panic as well as homophobia. All four of them spent 15 years in prison before all of their convictions were overturned and expunged from the records in 2018. Now, I know that social workers and child protective services are meant to defend the safety of children above all else, but this and too many other examples of ignored domestic abuse or strict and rash actions based on claims from vindictive parents over the years certainly to me makes a pretty strong case that in some ways The people who work in those professions may not always be held up to the height enough standard. And of course, I can't bring up the Satanic Panic without bringing up the West Memphis 3. If you've ever watched the HBO series Paradise Lost, you might be familiar with the story. Three teenagers in 1993 were accused and convicted of grotesque sexual assault and murder of three younger boys. The three teens were pointed out as suspects, only because a few lo- locals had singled them out because of rumors that they worshipped Satan in their spare time and they dressed in gothic style clothing. It took 18 years for the three teens, who would be grown men by then, to be released in 2011 because DNA found that the scene provided that proved that they were not connected to the murders, and their sentences were commuted to time served. Which, when I tried to go over the details of their appeals, plea deals, and eventual release. I still don't understand how their sentences were commuted when, according to everything that seemed to point to the opposite, that they should never have been arrested in the the first place. With the constant and overwhelming debunking of satanic abuse claims, the public became increasingly skeptical, skeptical, but the witch hunt was far from over and had even managed to jump national borders in some cases. Such as a man in the UK who was suspected of murder and was harassed by the police for months simply because he happened to be near the proximity of a crime and because it was found out that he had a passing interest in Wicca and other occult readings and trinkets. That's it. On a slightly funny and a little bit of a satisfying anecdote... Four uh, distributors who worked for Amway started this campaign to publicly declare that their competition in multinational consumer goods, Procter & Gamble, were funding various satanic cults with their profits. They are even declaring it on their outgoing company voicemails. Having clearly violated the Lanham Act, which pro- prohibits unfair competition and false advertising, the four Amway distributors found themselves in the business end of a $19 million defamation suit, which they lost which is hilarious. Fast forward a bit to 2007, American exchange student Amanda Knox was on trial for the murder of her roommate in Perugia, Italy. I hope I'm saying that right, Perugia. Now at this moment, I, I don't have enough information in order to make an opinion on the outcome of that case, but it did come up during the trial that since that suggested that since the murder, murder had taken place a day after Halloween, The chief prosecutor accused Amanda of performing a satanic satanic sacrificial rite, describing her as a Lucifer-like, satanic, diabolical, demonic, and having a witch-like level of deception. Amanda in the end would be exonerated in 2015, and if we do accept that she is indeed innocent, uh, the way the prosecution tried to perform that hit job on her personality makes it pretty clear that people are not above calling someone a devil worshipper or a witch if they plan on trying to lower their reputation in public opinion about a year after Amanda Knox was released and returned home there was already another event that was making people panic the infamous clown hoax that leaned on our already widely established distrust and general fear of clowns that's me included that someone in the guise of a not-really-innocent-looking stranger in a clown suit is waiting to catch you alone so they can put their arms around you and drag you into the dark. I just... I guess Willy's just thinking about it. Right-wing conspiracy nuts, and yeah, I am saying right-wing conspiracy nuts, and in this case, that's what I'm sticking to, ate this up as clown scares popped up all over the country, suggesting that clown outfits were just another display of how widespread the satanic cult really was. And just like last time, there was almost no evidence of people in clown suits actually being seen in the public trying to genuinely harm or menace people. Almost 99% of any calls or reports of violent or nefarious clowns were anonymous calls and unverified hearsay. And the 1% is the funniest but at the same time kind of the saddest. The internet is really is a great place. So much information is stored online that you can literally follow the breadcrumbs and see digitally where this all started. When a YouTube video of a creepy looking clown with a free hug sign was recorded staying on a sidewalk in Green Bay, Wisconsin and posted online. This video, which spawned all these clown fears was, it turned out, a part of a local viral marketing campaign for an upcoming low budget horror movie. Police departments literally had to go out and speak to the public and tell people to stop freaking out about the unsubstantiated clown sighting rumors. It was becoming a waste of money. Another sad part of this is when a 16-year-old sophomore, Christian Torres, was approached by a stranger who didn't appreciate his clown mask, similar to what was seen on one of the Purge movies. Torres was stabbed and killed because of someone's belief that anyone wearing a clown mask was dangerous. I mean, come on, he was 16. When the clown panic was going around, I thought it was hilarious and people that were people were this gullible and easy to scare. I'm sure Christian thought it was funny too. It was kind of funny. But then he got killed because somebody saw a kid in the clown mask and decided to make it about their ignorant feelings and their uninformed and fear-driven opinions. In the weeks that led up to the 2016 election, more unsubst- unsubstantiated rumors, I always have trouble with that word. More unsubstantiated rumors began to swirl around online, specifically on the image sharing site 4chan. It claimed that Hillary Clinton and John Podesta, her former campaign chair, were running a satanic child sex ring in the basement of a pizza parlor in DC. Leaked emails, hacked from Podesta's email, talked about planning to run a fundraiser at the pizza parlor and how he was looking forward to some cheese pizza. Anonymous internet users started suggesting that cheese pizza was actually a code for child pornography, and as you, and you can see where kind of where this is going. Donald Trump, the then-running and eventual president, pushed a conspiracy on social media along with Alex Jones, other anti-democrat groups, and tinfoil hat conspiracists and white supremacists. Witch hunting had a new name and a new method, spreading fake news. Edgar Welch, a financially struggling warehouse worker and father of two, had drank the proverbial flavor flavorate as well. The so-called announcement of the sex ring immediately enraged Edgar, who already hated Hillary Clinton with all his guts. And just to find out that she was a satan-worshipping sex trafficker of young children, well, that was the last straw, especially when he thought of his own two daughters. So he packed up his things and drove 350 miles from his home in North Carolina to Washington, D.C. to be the hero that his country needed him to be. So on December 4th, a Sunday, he arrived in D.C. and parked in front of a pizza parlor that he read online hosted a den of nightmares and depravity in its basement. Edgar walked in with with an assault rifle in hand. He The parents, seeing him walk in, grabbed their kids and dove for cover, dove for the door, dove for underneath tables. Edgar walked through the restaurant slowly and methodically, searching the restaurant for a door to the sex ring dungeon so he could liberate some lives. He found a locked door and fired a round into the lock to force it open. But when he did, he didn't find a dungeon. He found a computer closet, where the owner would sit at the end of the day and tally the daily sales. Edgar was arrested and taken to jail with no lives lost. There was no sex ring. He'd been fooled. But the damage was already done. To the anonymous online inquisition, he'd been a hero. The owners and the staff of the pizza parlor would face years of death threats and verbal abuse. Their home addresses were made public. Windows were broken and fires were started in the restaurant because some people still refused to believe that what was right in front of them and that they if they believed hard enough the lie could end up just as powerful as the truth but even as i say the comment about what edgar you know being a, being a hero that didn't even last that long his own anonymous collective turned on him and labeled him as a crisis actor who staged the shooting as a false flag event in order to hide the truth about the sex ring and finally because more recently is the arrival of q another anonymous and faceless 4chan user who claimed to have insider knowledge of the underground satanic pedophile ring that was ran by world leaders high-powered celebrities and democrats it's funny to me how that sounds when you say it out loud world leaders high-powered celebrities and democrats you couldn't make it sound more like a witch hunt if you tried Q claimed that Trump was only pretending to be an incompetent president so he could more effectively, single handedly expose the government pedophiles. Pedophiles who, stay with me here, would not only practice satanic rites and sexual abuse, but they would also traffic young children so they could harvest their hormones in order to manufacture serums that keep them young. I'd repeat that because it almost bears repeating, but it just doesn't make any more sense the second time around. I think it was last year when I had kind of rediscovered my appreciation for Aerosmith. You know how you go in and out of liking music for a while and you forgot what a big fan you were? Well, that was going on with me. And I had been going through my favorite Aerosmith songs on YouTube. And when I came across the music video for Pink, one of their singles from their Nine Lives album, the comments on that video were flooded with people who were convinced that the word Pink was code for the adrenal glands of the trafficked children and that the song was essentially Steven Tyler about, sing, singing about how much he loved that sweet, sweet hormone serum that keeps him looking so young and getting him so elevated. So, if you want, pause this episode and take a moment to listen to Pinky V if you want to have a little laugh and, and, and consider the implications of what they're all ranting about. I don't know if the comments are still on there, but man they were thick whenever i went around and looked on there last night or the other day the conspiracy gained followers the q conspiracy and the collective group uh, that subscribed to nonsense became known as QAnon. and i know it sounds like i'm getting a little political here but this is a perfect example of how the satanic panic uh, worked and that i've been talking about It appealed to parents that were scared that someone was coming to harm their children. It weaponized that fear. Back in 1690s Salem, they thought they were the most pious people in town by accusing anyone of witchcraft for the most absurd reasons. Today QAnons are those same people, except now they view themselves as the altruistic white knights exposing the truth and hashtag saving the children one twitter post at a time until certain factions within the group moved to a more militant action, which came to a head when QAnon was identified as a domestic terrorist threat and hundreds of self-proclaimed supporters joined the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol riots on January 6th. At first glance, it might seem that comparing QAnon to the satanic panic in this episode might seem like a bit of a stretch, but let's break it down. The satanic panic originated from a deep manifested fears of the devoutly religious and spiritual. QAnon gained traction in the way that it, mo- that it did mostly from the deeply manifested fears of a powerful and nefarious government. Both of them appealed to our emotions by spreading alarm and hysteria about things we only wished were make believe and insisting that they were real and that they were everywhere abducting children in order to sexually abuse them for the pleasure of a clandestine group of hooded elites, harvesting their organs and their blood for ritualistic sacrifice and witchcraft. It's kind of all starting to sound pretty familiar, especially the part where there was no proof ever found and any speculation is fueled only as far as someone's imagination can take them. And that's all I really have to say about that, at least for now. You know, when I was going to um, UT or GV, the most useful class I took in there, the, the one class I really did take away from all of that was critical thinking. The critical thinking taught me the value of analyzing and evaluating a situation or an issue to the fullest extent in order to form the most objective and informed opinion. I've also kind of been the guy who questions everything and sometimes believes very little at first glance. That's not really a good mentality but for me it taught me how to hold back on my judgment on something and remain skeptical until I found out enough to pick on what side of the fence I for sure wanted to sit on. I certainly am not putting myself up on a pedestal by saying that. I don't really brag about anything other than how fast I can drain a a full can of monster or how good my deviled eggs are. But I think it's very important for people to nurture their ability to think critically and avoid making premature opinions that are based on how something made you feel emotionally at that moment. You know, think it through, find the proof, and consider the source, always. Depending and relying on misinformation has historically never resulted in something good. And I don't mean that necessarily in a general sense or politically speaking. I mean in your day-to-day lives, how you make decisions on what groceries to get, what to talk about over the dinner table, how to respond to your children when they ask challenging questions or you're faced with their rebellious behavior. Um, Also, considering if you or how you judge someone based on their personal beliefs, background, or orientation. If you've been listening to these episodes all the way to the end, thank you. Uh, But you might notice that I'm always reminding you guys to be excellent to each other, and and I do mean that. This last week has had me spread very thin, Uh, Between attending a funeral, having a minor COVID scare, which ended up being just a sore throat when I was chain-smoking at a barbecue, and between writing this episode, I, I didn't have a lot of free time to think over the next one. So if you guys have any suggestions, please, as always, feel free to chime in. But once again, until then, like always, be excellent to each other as well as yourself. Thanks again for dropping by the Human Delicatessen, and I'll see you again next week.